Good morning, welcome. So it's just so great. Isn't that just the best day ever? Because huh? it better be. It's the only one we got. Anyway, I have my, my gonger, for lack of a better description, and my gong. Simret came. I took everything into my office because last time they were there, they took my gonger. I replaced it now. And so what I'm going to invite you to do is drop into some silence. Let uh, your breath guide you. There's an intelligence, there's a rhythm that is who we are, that who we're connected to. There's one heartbeat. And in a moment here, I'm going to share something with you that really illustrates that, that is eternal and timeless. But right now, I'm just going to sound this chime for 30 seconds, then I'm going to offer and invite you to do a chant with me if you're so inclined. If not, just let the, the, the music wash over you, and then I'll share a prayer. Here we go. quite enough love for all the world and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so know with me in this moment, there's one life, one power, one presence. There's a rhythm that is moving always. It is the river consciousness it's a stream of consciousness and it is available to each and every one of us and so as I speak of this I can feel something move within me and I invite you to sense that as well allow yourself to slow down breathe allow your busy mind to quiet a bit if it's helpful notice the breath and maybe just bring your fingers together very lightly and rub them together it'll take you out of the busy mind we must trick our minds many times because our mind is always tricking us. Nothing to fix, nothing to repair. We are the eternal thing. We have come here. We are pristine, beautiful. We are of the one. As a beautiful teacher 2,000 years ago modeled for us, it is the Father within that doeth the work. It is the Father, Mother, God within that doeth the work. And these things that I have done, ye shall do an even greater. So what is that for you? But we can't get there with the busy mind. We must at times slow it down. And so let us slow it down together today in a beautiful way. Let us move into this, this incubator, this sacred agreement and this sacred awareness and this state of being that allows our bodies to heal, 
that realigns the coherence of our energies, that every energy center within the body is in alignment beautifully and wonderfully, that there's an energy flowing in and through and as each and every one of us with information, with inspiration, and with the mystery guiding us and nudging us forward. We don't need to know the whole story. That would take the joy out of life. We just need to know what is before us now, what is mine to do this day. How may I serve? How may I be part of the solution rather than create more problems? For this I give thanks. I release these words and together we say, and so it is. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Look at all you guys here today. Are these all yours? Wow. Some. Carrie's brought all her daughters today. It's always so great to have the... the, the and a son. How many do you have? I two girls. Yeah. There's like four there, though. So I just... Wow. So is this... Is this did you choose this, or is this punishment? Punishment. <laughs> it's punishment. Well, I figured, you know... How old are you? 14. Yeah, I was going to say, it's perfect punishment when you're 14, because you're safe here. Anyway, we're going to have fun today. As a matter of fact, I want to play a piece of music for you. And it's, is it a spiritual piece of music? Well, it's all God, right? But it's Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. And I want, to, I want you to watch the magic of this, because it is a mashup of all these old classic movies, people dancing. And so the whole idea around this is, this helps create connection and coherence. This is why... All the ancient tribes danced around the fire. That they would dance themselves into a state, an altered state of consciousness because the busy mind can't be too active when we're dancing. So I'm going to invite you to stand up. You don't have to dance, but you can if you'd like and you can move to this. But what I want to do is I want to shift the energy in here before we go into what I have to share with you in a way that I... And I didn't get a chance to do it at the first service. I ran out of time, so I'm not going to run out of time. We're going to make this a priority right now. So let us cue it up. And here we go. It's, four, it's five minutes, so pace yourself. I just thought you need to see it one time. But isn't it fascinating that, that movies and from everywhere and everyone is connected to the rhythm. That there is a, and it's not a mistake, there is a rhythm that we all sense. 
you know, drumming circles. Anything that puts us into a sense of repetition. They used to say that the Irish used to sit in a, because they had no television or radio, they sit in a circle around the fireplace. And I'm sure many other cultures did as well. And the women would spin. They would spin, and that's where spinning the yarn came from, because they would go into a trance state. And all of a sudden, they would enter into that, that other brainwave, that other realm, and start to tell story. So quite fascinating. And I just, I just I saw that last week, and I thought, wow. I mean, as I said, Bruno Mars is probably not a song you're going to hear in the Vatican if you ever go visit the Pope. But there's a rhythm that we're all connected to. And whatever movie, whoever put this together, I mean, remarkable. I bet you they spent at least an afternoon doing that, huh? So what I wanted to talk about is this courage to feel and transform. Because what happens in the culture is we we spend a lot of time not feeling. And so the courage to feel and transform, and I love the picture of the butterfly because it it represents that metamorphosis. You know, the chrysalis of the, the, the caterpillar becoming this beautiful butterfly. And, you know, I've been inspired this month by Brene Brown's work, who's really around wholeheartedness, whole, wholeness, which is inspired by Carl Jung's work of wholeness. Brene says, when we deny the story, it defines us. So when we have things that are driving us, we have needs and we have angers and frustrations and the world is just plain ticking us off, it limits us. And we can be very, very, very justified in those feelings, but all it does is restricts our opportunity to, to live life fully. And we're not here to simply do that. We're simply, we're here to have that experience and then decide do I want to stay in this experience or not. When we deny the story, it defines us. And when we own the story, we can write a brave new ending. We are each here to be an author to the brave new ending. So, I'm going to talk about three things today. Expectation, taking a step back, and feeling your way forward. So let me just touch on all three of them. Expectation is, is how we set ourselves up for many times uh, a draining of energy. And I'll explain that in a moment. Taking a step back is stepping back from those, the busyness of the mind and looking at our life from a different perspective. Finding another way to look at life in a way that's healthier and more impactful. And then, of course, feeling your way forward, which is not being so trapped in the small mind and the busyness of the mind. It's the beta wave. The beta wave is a very busy, busy mind. Nothing right or wrong about it other than the fact that there are other opportunities you know, my favorite ice cream is vanilla. And usually when I go, the reason I like vanilla is you can put any topping on it you want. Make it whatever you want. So I like having vanilla. But some people like the, all the varieties. You don't have to order vanilla every time you go. You can get strawberry or chocolate or whatever you have. Yeah. My dad loved Rocky Road. I never understood why they would put nuts in ice cream at that point in time, but I was, you know, three years old. I was spitting the nuts out, and he was asking me what's wrong with you, so... So expectations, let's start there. There's a wonderful story in Brene's book about a woman named Claudia. And Claudia, Claudia and her husband decided one year, they, she lived in Chicago with her husband and she was from Madison, Wisconsin. So it's a few hours drive. It's probably a seven or eight hour drive. But she said to her husband, look, you go home to your family, I'll go home to my family. Because she felt like that was probably the best strategy for that particular holiday. It was the first year they were married. So they said, okay, you do that. And so she went home, and part of the, so she have, would have an expectation to go home for the holidays. Does anybody ever go home for the holidays? And you have an expectation about what it should feel like and what it should be like? Do you ever notice that many times that expectation does not match the experience that you have? Just saying, for a couple of us. But, but what happens with, um, with, with Claudia is she goes home, and what, what, part of the dynamic of her family is she has a sister, Amy, and Amy has struggled with drug addiction and alcohol problems her whole life. Started as a young girl, finally got sober when she was 18. 
And so the energy of the family was focused around Amy and her problems. So when the family would get together, it was always, will Amy be there? Will she be sober if she's there? And the last time she was home to be with the family, the, um, her dad got up and did a long speech about how blessed they were to have Amy with them that day. And, and, and all accurate and lovely and, and sincere. But what Claudia and her sister Anna realized was that their whole life as sisters to this woman, all of the parents' energy, the whole family's energy had gone towards Amy and her dysfunction and her addiction. And that's what happens in families. You know, the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease many times. And so Claudia is, is, is uh, um, sharing this story with, with Brene Brown, and Brene had her permission to write it in the book. So she got a, um, Claudia got a, a text from Amy, the sister with the addiction problem, and said, when you get home, how about if we get together and we'll go out and have pizza together, you and me and Anna, all three sisters. And she thought, okay, we can do that. That sounds like a plan. Well, she got there and found out that her mom and dad had rented Amy an apartment where she could be, you know, have some place to live and, and uh, someplace warm and, and look after her. Well, Amy didn't want that because to do that, she'd had to line up with what mom and dad expected. So there were certain expectations in the whole thing that Amy was unwilling to um, agree to. So Amy went off on her own doing her thing, practicing her addiction. And um, after Thanksgiving dinner, mom and dad didn't say a word. It was like this deathly silence that Amy wasn't with them and they didn't know what to say. So, and, and what happens with these expectations, many times uh, Brene calls them stealth expectations. They're very deep. We're not even aware we set them up. This idea that, you know, the, if you find yourself saying, well, geez, I'm, I'm so disappointed I had my heart set on this or I counted on this happening, right? I just thought if this happened, whatever. But if that's showing up, it could be a wrestling with disappointment. Anne Lamont in the next slide, in expectations, right there, it says expectations are resentments waiting to happen. So how do we live life and not get trapped with expectations and heartbreak and disappointment? So it says, Bernays says, it's very important to reality check what we're expecting and why. Otherwise, it becomes stealth expectations. We don't even know we have them. It's just what we do. So anyway, they went to... Part, or hook up with Amy to go have pizza. But the address that she gave the two sisters as they drove over to this um, um, area in Madison, Wisconsin, was really run down. It's pretty much the drug area of Madison, Wisconsin. There's a lot of buildings that are burned out and abandoned. And so they pulled up to this address and they looked and the windows were broken out in the, back, in the front of this place. And they got out and they looked in and they couldn't see anybody. So they started to get back in the car and all of a sudden they heard this voice calling to them. And here it was Amy living in the back of this old, deserted storefront. And she said, you know, it was at a point with her now where it didn't even matter if she was drunk or not, or if she was high, because her whole presence spoke to that. You know, this idea that, that these expectations, I'm going to go home, it's going to be a great holiday. I've, I've done this myself for years and years and years with my family. And the problem is we just drop back into the same patterns. And so it's the same experience over and over again. And it's not good, bad, or right, or wrong. It's just we're, all, we're sort of tripwired for it. We're just sort of like, don't even give, give it a thought. Or that, uh, you know, you buy a gift for someone and you have this expectation of how they'll appreciate it. And then the realization is it's not that what you expected. So all these things are part of the human, the human experience. You know, when Claudia and Anna approached the building to look for Amy, they thought they'd made a mistake. It was in a high crime part of town and it was an abandoned store. And then Amy called out to them and said, come in. And so they got in there and the other sister said, Anna said to uh, Amy, she said, 
which was the mantra that the parents had always used. What's wrong with you? How can you live like this? Jesus, pull yourself together. And the whole scene became traumatic. So uh, Anna, the sister that was saying this, finally called a cab and she left. And here's Claudia standing there with Amy. And it's the same old story that she said before. She said, uh, here I am. She said, I was overcome with grief and guilt. I mean, this is the human experience many times. This is real. Grief for her sister and guilt for thinking, how long do I have to stay here listening to this? When, when can I leave? How soon can I get back to the life that I've worked so hard to build in Chicago? Initially, I thought my face-down moment was sitting in that terrible place across from my sister who was, was as bad off as I've ever seen her, but it wasn't. I wasn't curious about what she was feeling. I just wanted to stop feeling. I didn't want to know more. I wanted to get out of there and get back to Chicago. But this is a real conversation. This is real life. And so at a point, you know, out of a defense, we will shut off our feelings at times. So I'll, I'll, bring, I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment because I want to offer you a, a different perspective on this because that's humanity. That's the things that happen in our lives. We've, we've all had them. I know um, there, there are people in this community that have a tremendous shift and change in loss this year. So how do we stand in that with, with some sanity and, and, and live from what we know to be important? Because there's something else for us. There's a wonderful story. I'm going to use his work next month by Michael Singer. He wrote two wonderful books, The Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment. And his story is amazing, just remarkable. So if you've read those books, you know a little bit of what what I'm talking about. We're going to have some of them in the bookstore next month in October. But he tells a story about 40 years ago. He decided that he just wanted to go meditate and do a spiritual thing and live a quiet life. And then he, his story is just remarkable, which we'll get into next month. But he said, back in the 20s, graduate school, I was finishing my degree in economics. He woke up one day and I started to see that my mind talk, it was talking all the time. Chatter, 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 chatter. And that was causing the heart to race. And he decided to watch what was going on inside instead of being what was going on inside. He decided to watch it rather than be it. This is huge. When you can have the awareness to wake up and go, look at this, wow. And I either, in, in this moment, I get to decide to fulfill that and live that out and run with that busy voice or not. And that's the opportunity for all of us many times, the chatter. So he said, I started to see what was going on in here. And I realized this is not a healthy thing to be going in, on inside of me. He said, it was all fear. When I'd look out and I'd see the world, there are lots of things going on out in the world. Anybody notice that? It's a busy world. There's a lot of people out there. We got all of humanity on this planet. The bottom line, he said, at the end of the day, he said, I'm scared. I'm scared of life. He said, and what I want, and I think what we all want is we want to feel okay. But what happens is we think in order for us to feel okay, we got to fix everything out here. So, Gus, you got to do this for me and... and uh, and Dave, you've got to do this for me. And, um, and, and as soon as you guys all line up what I need, I can be okay. The problem is that doesn't happen, does it? And then we go away and we have judgment and criticism and I'm not getting my needs met. They're there to fulfill me. All of these things. This is, this is a very popular idea. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not very productive. And it's not tapping into the gifts we are. See, we are here to be to live from wisdom. And the way we, we cultivate wisdom is by making mistakes. It's all fear. 
Michael Singer says, we make up a story of what I need to be okay and what everybody else needs to be okay. And then the primary focus is, how can I be okay? How can I go out in the world today and not have any trouble? I don't want anything to, bless you, I don't want anything to disturb me. This is my goal today, to live, this is, I'm spiritual, I'm going to the Center for Spiritual Living. God and I are one. How could anything disturb me? Ah. And then we get out on traffic and something disturbs us. We get an email, something disturbs us. We find out what our beautiful friend down in the States said this week. And we're excited or disturbed, whatever it may be. But this becomes a struggle of our life. As Michael Singer says, we have never had so many people on this planet waking up as we do now. That's the beautiful thing. We're part of that tribe. We're part of that tribe. And that's a beautiful thing. That's encouraging. There are people waking up like never before because what's happened is a species, most of the time that we've been alive on this planet as, as human beings, the, the culture, it's all been about survival. Two, 200 years ago, it was about being warm, especially here in the wintertime, finding enough food, having clean water. You didn't need to know how to read and write because you, you had to work hard. Plant the, plant the crops. I mean, this has been the... And, and, and we've moved into this whole new era of abundance. Plenty of food, clothes available, housing available in some capacity, resources. So all of a sudden, we have this extra time that used to go... And energy, this mental energy that used to go into survival, and we don't need to do that anymore. So much. It's still alive. And, and some people, you'll see it played out. Some people, you'll see they, they hoard. That's that old genetics setting within us that we gotta, the more we have, the safer we'll feel. But when you got that triggered, you never have enough. You can never get enough of what you don't need. It's one of my favorite sayings. I can never get enough of that because I don't need it. So our mental energy is shifted to our psychological well-being, to our egos, and to our personalities. Many people don't even realize that this inner voice is running them. There's a lot of people out there. I mean, their inner voice is their inner voice, and that is the authority in their lives. So this, this activity of a busy, controlling mind, knows the only thing it knows how to do is keep us safe. Keep us in that, that heightened sense of, I gotta survive, I'm in danger, danger, danger. Look out. So the, the, the busy mind is that beta wave. It's constantly entertaining us with strategies of how we can be okay and how we need others to be. This is not the mindset nor the brain wave that will take us in the direction where true wisdom, true life, and rich life really exists. So what happens is though when we get trapped in expectation, expectations are simply resentments waiting to be given birth. We get, we, so what, what Michael Singer says is we must take a step back from our lives and look at it. And that's what he did. He woke up one morning and said, look, there's, there's, this, there's noise going on in there. And I know the noise in my, my mind and my brain is not going to take me where I want to go. So he said he had to take back, learn to take a step back and stop believing every thought that crosses my field of awareness. Because it's just a thought. And it may be a good thought, it may not be a good thought. But it's just a thought. We are not our minds. We are not our bodies. All the great teachers have said that. Everyone, everyone is capable of waking up. Everyone. And everyone is capable of going deeper. When we see people struggling, like um, Amy, like Claudia's sister Amy, we should help. But how do we help without enabling? 
Because at one point, Amy says to her, look, take me back to Chicago with me and I'll live with you and you can take care of me and provide for me. And she said, I can't do that. I can't do that. No, that's not going to work. Because she knew that. And then she felt guilt about that because this is her sister and how does she care for her? I'm going through it right now. I go into this fantasy. My oldest sister is really, really struggling right now. She's been in the hospital. And, you know, and, and it's, it's heartbreaking for me because she was really the woman that raised me. You know, she was the one that st- stepped up because my mom, you know, there was a lot of kids, as you know. And so it breaks, it, in, in many ways, I, it breaks my heart because I'd like to be more there, hands-on with her and love her and help her. And we have this wonderful connection. She's one of the few people that's read the same books that we talk about all the time in my family. Because she just knew, but she just couldn't ever get in front of some of, the, some of the traumas that she experienced growing up. So I have great compassion for her. And I'm still, and, and so I'm in the story with her. As Claudia is still in the story with Amy. But it's not mine solely to fix. But it's mine to ask the question, what can I do? And what can I be in this? Because I want to bring my best. And if we know we can bring our best and then we're available to it, those ideas show up. But see, it's not like somebody gives me a manual. No one gives you a manual. So it's this idea of backing up. We don't have complete control over the outside. People are going to do stuff. People will do stuff all the time. There's, there's a lot of forces that create the outside. So it doesn't serve us well to think that I should be able to c- control all the outside forces. The, the example is you get caught off in traffic. It's a winter day here and you've got plenty of room and, you're on the st- and you get cut off in your car and all of a sudden your car goes out of control and starts to spin on the ice. And so if we're in this victim consciousness where everything is being done unto us, we freak out. Well, the option for us then is to jump in the back seat and duck and cover. But how many of us do that? Not too many. That doesn't mean you're not going to run into something. You might hit another car. You might hit a tree. You might hit a... Depends on how fast you're going and where... All that stuff. But the point being is when, the, when the, you get caught off in traffic, you weren't planning that. You didn't ask for that. The car starts to spin. But typically what most people will do is they will realize, I'm in this situation. I'm going to slow this vehicle down the best way I can. So they'll put some pressure on the brake, perhaps, whatever it may be that's appropriate to help bring the car back into alignment. But this idea that we're out of control, we've got to control the outside, there's things that happen in life that, that just <clears throat> we don't control, but we control our response to it and the way we are in it. You may not get the outside exactly as you need it, but you can be, aware, you can be consciously aware of the inside. You can watch events unfold on the outside and deal with them without trying to improve them or repair them. You're not trying to handle the outside, but to handle it on the inside so we can be part of the solution rather than exacerbating the problem. So a lot of times things happen that trigger us. And then what is ours to do with that? And, many, and we're probably not going to fix it out there, but we can look at the trigger. Surrender is the, the title of Michael, Michael Singer's second book. The Surrender Experiment. And surrender was inspired by the Tao. The Tao was that Chinese old ancient tradition. And the Tao, just like the Buddha said, is the middle way. It's not one extreme or the other. It's neither resisting or ignoring. In the interview I listened to with Michael Singer, this guy said, well, then it means I don't care and I'm not doing it. He says, no, you care. But your care is grounded in a state of awareness and being that can be quite beautiful says, instead of freaking out, stand in clarity. I'm capable, I'm competent, I am present. 
What should I be doing? That's the open-ended question that Joe Dispenza talks about. That triggers the frontal, the frontal cortex of the brain. That's where creativity and new ideas come from. What's mine to do here? To live in that question, what's mine to do here? And, and, then, and then we walk it forward. The last piece today is walking it forward. Slowing it down and walking it forward. In other words, we're not gonna get all the answers at one time, but when we can get out of our busy mind and into the alpha state of thinking and being, our heart gets connected. And then the, the, and then the path is revealed. It's a journey. It's not a formula. Every one of us is unique and different. What wants to happen here? Then we can live in, what wants to happen here? What's mine to do here? But I'm staying present. I'm not gonna jump in the backseat of the car anymore and cover my head. I'm gonna stay engaged with my feelings. And I'm gonna use those feelings as transformation. One of the things that we're doing October 14th here, I've been in ministry 20 years. I've seen a lot of stuff. And what I know is, is that without integration, Without being able to own both parts of this, the dark and the light, spiritual advancement and deepening is almost impossible. So what I know is something is being longed to be given birth here. Gary, Dr. Gary Simmons is going to come in. The man is a, an absolute genius. And he said to me when I met with him, he said, we have done church for 400 years the same way. And now it's, we're called to do it in a different way. And he's rolled this out and he's impacted a lot of our New Thought communities all over the world. His work is remarkable and revolutionary. And it starts with this integration of the shadow. Because I'll tell you what, we can keep getting together and pointing fingers and blaming one another. But that's not gonna, that's not gonna take us what wants to be given birth. And so what I, I'm looking to do is a few devoted individuals that were really invested in this that realize, you know what, I want, to, I want to fulfill my life. I want to share my gifts. I want, when Amy comes into my life or my older sister is, is dying, I'm so grateful to have the perspective and the teaching in my life and to work with it. There's, no, there's probably no resolution for my sister. I think her body will probably transition. Her spirit will transition. The body can no longer support her. But how can I be in this with her in the truth of knowing that her, she's eternal, that she's having everything she needs, even in this moment, and perhaps... Before she transitions, she'll have an amazing shift in transformation of consciousness. But I hold that possibility for us. And anything else I can do, what's mine to do here? But if I believe that life is just struggle and it's crappy and she's bad and wrong and it's arbitrary God, now she's sick. Some people will tell you she's sick because God's punishing her. I don't believe in a God like that. But people do. We are here on this journey of unfoldment and revelation. And so when I, when I watched the unhealed things that get bubble up in our in community and in the world, I realized there's another way to do this. How can we have tools in our toolbox? How can we lovingly say to someone, you know, you may want to pull out your Q process sheet and look at that. What's alive in you that gets so triggered? And, and it's not because I don't want to be part of it. I do want to be part of it in the most beautiful, powerful, loving way. And the question, as Joe Dispenza always says, we've been doing a lot of Joes, we're doing a pure intent on, on Saturdays, a beautiful class, just a beautiful group of people. We come together, we do Joe's meditations, we talk about things. But he says that many of the meditations, love yourself enough to do it. Love yourself enough to do this, to live from that, your divinity and your beauty, your integrity, to be able to go wherever you go and know that you're complete and you're whole, you're blessed. One of the things I know about my oldest sister is she didn't get that growing up. I knew she longed for it. 
But that wasn't a message we got as kids. Be tough. Take care of yourself. You were born with original sin. She's fulfilled that. That's a hell of a way to live a life. I'm so grateful that, that that's not part of my spiritual DNA anymore. But it is for her. And I know that. So I can hold a different idea and great compassion. I understand. I have great empathy for her. I don't blame her. Do you love yourself enough to fulfill what your soul is calling you to do? And the beautiful thing about this is, I believe that we've lived thousands of lives. The beautiful thing is, we don't get it right this time, we get to go around again. Why well, isn't that exciting? There's certain people in my life I don't want to go around with again. I'm telling you. I want to love them. I want their highest and their furthest in my life. And if they want to step in and they want to do this work, with, and, and we can collaborate in this work, Beautiful. Well, for it. But there's a lot of stuff that comes at us in the world that's not ours. It's people's unhealed stuff. I got my own stuff to heal. I'm not a complete product. I'm a work in progress. But to stand in that wisdom and clarity. So I'm, I'm inviting this whole community to step into this Q process because that is the on-ramp to a mission-centric ministry and community. And it's exciting. It's exciting because it mobilizes gifts in ways that we've never mobilized before. There's ways, and it's a three to five year process. This isn't a weekend with Gary. Isn't that a movie? Weekend with Bernie. Well, I should change his name to Bernie. It's a journey. It's a shift of changing culture and changing your culture and my culture. That's what I'm interested in. You know, if we don't have the spiritual bandwidth, we can't get there. We'd just rather have a big fist fight every time something goes on here and we blame and shame. If it's not going to pan out, we'll know soon enough. You guys will be able to keep participating in that. I'm not doing it. It's not what we stand for. It's not what Ernest Holmes wrote. So we need to discover a larger mental equivalent. We are metaphysicians. We are spiritual. 99.9999% of the atom is empty space. And we're all made up of atoms. The theory now is the atom freezes with an idea. So I'm just saying, it's, it's wonderful, it's powerful. So when we, we have these situations, how can we realize, okay, I got expectations here, and are they reasonable? And how do I manage those? How can I be so self-contained and keep the interior clean that I understand when I start to go into those stealth expectations? How can I take a step back in my life when I'm getting triggered? And that's the whole cue process. You got a trigger, write about it, examine it, and bring healing to it. It's really powerful. It's really wonderful. You are here to live in grace and beauty and possibility and opportunity, to live in, in spiritual coherence. That's why we were dancing. See, dancing is a spiritual practice. When we move and we move to the beat, there's a beat that is keeping us going. It's beautiful. Musicians know that and feeling your way forward. So feeling every step of the way, feeling your way forward. So Claudia with her sister Amy, she said, I'm still in this. Brene Brown said, where are you on your journey? She said, I'm still in it, I don't know the answers. But what I do know is my sister, what has opened up in me as a result of working with my sister is I don't have all her answers, I don't know. But she said, it's cracked the compassion open in me. It's cracked open a level of compassion like never before. So what if her sister Amy is the master that has come to play out this addiction to, to, as a gift to her sister to open her heart up to more compassion. Just saying. In the Hindu tradition, they say many times the people that are the most disabled 
The, the ones that need most of our help are here to teach us. I'm just saying, if we're going to write a, a, a better ending to the story, maybe that's a better ending that we write. For me, what happens with my older sister, she cracks open my heart. And there's compassion there. And it's a vulnerability. And you know what? It's uncomfortable. Because it overwhelms me. And then I cry. And I get sad. But that's real life. And it doesn't define me. Because I have this beautiful opportunity then to say, what is mine to do here? And to work with that. And right now I'm working with it a lot. Because I care a lot. But do I use it to beat myself up? Do I believe that this God is punishing us? We were, we were raised that way. God's going to punish you. You know, it was all about punishment and sin. And how long we're going to end up in purgatory and all that. You know, there was, somebody made up this story about it. I don't think that's the, the, tr- the real story. But that's the way our minds work. We've got to know the ending. Maybe not. So how do we stand in the middle place? How do we stand in surrender knowing it's not about fixing everything on the outside. It's about keeping our house clean in here. We keep our house clean in here. The people, the ideas, the resources, the opportunities show up. And we trust it because you know what? Life knows what it's doing. Life knows what it's doing. I mean, think about it. Do you get up every morning and go, okay, I'm going to take a breath every hour now. I'm going to be separating some cells right now. Hmm. Because cells are being separated even in this moment. I'm going to take air into my lungs. I'm going to tell my heart to beat. Now, there are people that will meditate and slow their heart down. That's beautiful. After years and years and years. But the point is, is that's the same intelligence. That's that same rhythm that keeps us going. And that, that intelligence and rhythm. So when we can match it in congruence... When we become that clean, hollow vessel, which is what Ralph Waldo Emerson said, I am the clean, hollow vessel, a divine expression. This is what the teacher Jesus was modeling. It is not I, but the Father within that doeth the work. He understood of the beat of life, the energy, and he articulated it and it was recorded in a certain way. And language gets in the way because to try to describe God is to diminish God because it's indescribable. But that's what you are. That's what I am. We are that beat. It's powerful. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. So thank you for being part of this tribe. You being you. You waking up a little more each day is powerful and beautiful and impactful and blesses everyone. And, we, and sometimes we think we've got to do more than that. And we can do more than that. But if we don't start there, we just add to the chaos and the problem. So bless you. You are beautiful. You are powerful. You are competent. You are capable. You have everything you need in this moment for your next experience. And when we slow down and listen deeply and surrender, as Michael Singer says, everything unfolds as it should. And I'm going to share a story with you in October. It's a remarkable story. Remarkable story. A guy wants to go off in the woods and meditate. Ended up running a billion-dollar company and his journey with that. How did that all happen? It's fascinating. True story. Remarkable man. That's part of what's happening. And that's you and that's me. And so it is. Blessings. Blessings.